Words echo over the hilltop. I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Who knows how many of the bystanders actually even observe or hear those words. But they are certainly heard by one man. One John, son of Zebedee. And I believe those words heard, spoken by his best friend, Jesus, the teacher from Galilee, spoken to a crucified criminal at his side, fill the heart of John with dismay. They sound like empty words. But just five days earlier, with that overwhelming entry into the city, with the the crowds in the streets, all of the acclaim now, that was the sensation of an approach to paradise. And then the teachings in the temple, the religious leaders' questions so expertly refuted, the rumors starting to spread in the streets. Now that had seemed like some sort of a a crescendo unto a messianic action. But then just last night, the awkward foot washing those final strange somber teachings, their transit out to the moonlit shadowy darkness of the Gethsemane garden. Then the arrest, John himself sneaking behind to see what would happen at the high priest's palace, and Peter's triple denial of their master through the course of the night. Then the sunrise movement toward the governor's palace, John tucking himself into the midst of the gathering crowds and the trial, the flogging, the brutalization of Jesus. Then the governor's final verdict, death. And the journey up the hillside toward Golgotha. And the horrific experience of seeing your friend, your teacher, the one you thought might be God, being nailed to a cross and left to slowly die. God dying. Then three long hours of the relentlessness of the scoffing crowds, uh, the Roman soldiers day drinking, the sounds of the city down below going about the day, the cries and groans of all three crucified men, the heat of the sun against John's back, and then that scene. The one criminal who shouts in derision at Jesus, the other who defends him. And then again, those words, remember me, and that talk of paradise. John's heart just breaks at the words. Despair. The one who had seemed to answer every expectation of his Messiah-awaiting spirit cannot be a one who dies this way. God cannot die. The Messiah cannot be killed. 
So John is already turning to leave. He cannot stand it. He cannot stand there and watch this scene any longer. When that old familiar voice, straining to make itself heard above the surrounding sounds, speaks the following words. Woman, look, there's your son now. John turns around to see who is indicated. Jesus, with a turning of his head, a squinting of his eyes, a furrowing of his brow, is gesturing to his mother, Mary, toward John. Then the eyes of Jesus shift unto him. And there is an immeasurable outpouring of love in his eyes. John, Jesus says to him from the cross, this is now your mother. John and Mary move toward each other. And then, right then, darkness spreads over the whole sky. It is only John the beloved disciple of Jesus, the young fisherman of the Galilee, the one who first encountered Jesus while standing beside John the Baptist, one of the first four called to discipleship along the shoreline of the sea, one of the two so-called sons of thunder, one of the three who witnessed the transfiguration. Well, only John witnesses the ending of it all. Three hours later, it is finished. And the darkness rolls from the sky like a scroll being rolled up forever. My friends, this week, as I have meditated on the experience of the only of the 12 disciples to stand at the foot of the cross, I was drawn again, just like in our last episode, to the words of Romans 8. So from the position of the one who heard, it is finished. From the position of those of us who actually believe this to be so, and to be the operative wisdom and truth of the living of our lives and the particular day you're listening to my voice right now, to us, I share with you these words. Take them to heart. May they be the tenor of your life the way you live so that other people would know him. In my opinion, whatever we may have to go through now is less than nothing compared with the magnificent future God has planned for us. The whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful sight of the sons of men, God coming into their own. The world of creation cannot as yet see reality, not because it chooses to be blind, but because in God's purpose it has been so limited. Yet it has been given hope. And the hope is that in the end, the whole of created life will be rescued from the tyranny of change and decay 
and have its share in that magnificent liberty which can only belong to the children of God. Moreover, we know that to those who love God, who are called according to His plan, everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. God, in His foreknowledge, chose them to bear the family likeness of His Son, that He might be the eldest of a family of many brothers. He chose them long ago. When the time came, He called them, He made them righteous in His sight, and then lifted them to the splendor of life as His own sons. In face of all this, what is there left to say? If God is for us, who can be against us? He that did not grudge his own son, but gave him up for us all, can we not trust such a God to give us with him everything else that we can need? <laughs> who would dare to accuse us whom God has chosen? The judge himself has declared us free from sin. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Can anything separate us from the love of Christ? Can trouble, pain, or persecution? Can lack of clothes and food, danger to life and limb, the threat of force of arms? Indeed, some of us know the truth of that ancient text. For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We were accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we win an overwhelming victory through him who has proved his love for us. <laughs> I have become absolutely convinced that neither death nor life, neither messenger of heaven nor monarch of earth, neither what happens today nor what may happen tomorrow, neither a power from on high nor a power from below, nor anything else in God's whole world has any power to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. It is finished.